Morning, church. Anybody remember what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks? The Holy Spirit. Thank you for saying that in a musical manner. Pastor Tim. We've been talking about the Holy Spirit and the actions and the involvement of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And we've been talking about the elements, the things that the Holy Spirit is about and does. We've been talking about the processes, all of the bits and pieces and so I've been trying to think of ways to make that make sense and make it make clear, make it clear. So here it is. It's clear. Got it? Clear. You and I are just cruising through life. We're bubbling a little. I don't know if you can see that from there, but I can see bubbles. We don't smell bad. Right at the moment. And if we just keep bubbling through life, eventually we'll be flat in all the ways to be possibly flat. But the Holy Spirit changes things for us. The Holy Spirit creates a completely different life and a completely new experience. Suddenly there's other stuff going on. Suddenly there's other fra- other influences coming in, other fragrances in our life. We're impacting things and impacting the world differently. Things have changed because something has changed inside. Now all of us can ignore it. We can just be that, that little bar, jar of bubbles just waiting for flat. Or we can invite in the Holy Spirit. And when we invite in the Holy Spirit... The guarantee is that things will change. The Bible says that when you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, when God gets hold of you and becomes an indwelling presence in your life, fruit begins to happen. Now, you may not, if this is a new, new concept to you that fruit happens, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It happens. You invite the Holy Spirit in, God begins to make changes in your life, and you start to become more like Jesus from that day forward. And it's a long process. Look around you. A lot of these folks have been at it a long time. See Jesus yet? Eh, Might depend on who's sitting next to you. But the point is, as life moves forward with God, transformational things happen. This is not the same little bubbly bit of water, is it? In fact, it was never water. It's not the same because something's been put into it that's changing it. And the change continues. There's this splash of the first moment when it goes in and all of a sudden, a whole bunch of bubbles come to the top. And all of a sudden, wow, something just had it, hit us that made something different. That's that first experience with God where things change dramatically. Some of you all know, some of you, some of you were living a life that was going completely off the rails. It was going sideways for you and you invited God in and bam, a whole bunch of things changed. Whole bunch of habits changed, friends changed, things changed dramatically in your life. And then as you know, you kind of settle into that new mode and things start to slow down a little bit and the change becomes more gradual, but the reality is that the change is still happening. In your life, every day with God, every moment that you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, He continues to make changes in your life. 
He continues to work with you. He continues to move you forward. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the indwelling presence, something in you that's making a difference in you. It's making a difference in the way you look. Even the way you smell. It's making a difference in the way you impact the world around you. Okay? Clear? So I can sit down. (laughs) Some of you are like, yeah, good idea. (laughs) No, I won't do it. Today I want to take you on a little excursion through Ephesians chapter 3. Where are we going? Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bible or your device, you can open it there. I'm going to be, I'm going to put the Ephesians chapter 3, the passages that we're looking at in the New Living Translation on the screen. We're going to, we're going to work our way through it. But before we do, I want to catch up on a couple things we've been talking about. If the Holy Spirit is leading, make sure you understand that first. If the Holy Spirit is leading in your life, you are ready for the next step. So the Holy Spirit is talking to you. And the Holy Spirit is saying to you, Hey, I know you haven't wanted to talk about this, but here I am, here we go. We're going to talk about X. We're going to talk about your problems with what you allow into your eyeballs, what things you allow into your mind through your eyes, what things you allow into your life through your reading, through your listening, through the radio stations you choose, through the music you're listening to, through your absence from me and the presence in the morning, through your lack of prayer, through your lack of Bible study. The Holy Spirit comes along and says, here's something I want to talk to you about. And you kind of want to talk about that. And he says, well, we're going to if you're going to listen to me. And so you turn up the radio and you drive faster and you try to ignore it. And you get through the entire day without having to confront it. And you go to bed that night. You wake up the next morning and the Holy Spirit says, Good morning, it's me again. Remember what we were talking about yesterday? I'm back. I want to talk to you about it today. I don't want to talk about that. So you turn up the music. You make a little more noise. You drive a little faster. The cop pulls you over. And then you can't think about anything having to do with God and the Holy Spirit. And so you get through that day. And the third day comes and the Holy Spirit comes to you and he says, Good morning, it's me. I have something I want to talk to you about. If you stay in that relationship, you are having that conversation. If you stay in that relationship, you're having that conversation. That's the process God's engaged in. But here's the thing. The reasons we don't want to have those conversations is we feel like we're not ready for the change that that conversation presents. When God presents that conversation to you, it is because you are ready for the change it represents. God is good to you. God cares about you. God loves you. He wants nothing but the best for you. And so when you are confronted with whatever it is, something's in your mind right now. I can tell by looking at some of your faces, some of you are just readable. Don't play poker. Some of you are just clear as a bell. It's like, uh uh-oh, he's talking to me. The Holy Spirit's been bugging me for a week. Whatever. Whatever it is. Maybe a year, two years, ten years, the Holy Spirit's been bringing up the same subject again and again and again. He's wearing you out Because he's intent on a change in your life. He's intent on life being different tomorrow than it is today. He's intent on life being better tomorrow than it is today. And so, as we talked about last week, the the dramatic change in the future of your life is in your next yes. 
It's in your next yes to the Holy Spirit. I'm not telling you you're becoming a millionaire when you give your next yes. No, remember last year, last week we talked about this. The Apostle Paul went to jail when he said yes. Now, it's a pretty cool thing that happened in the jail, Paul and Silas and the jailer and all the singing. We tell the story still, but I'm pretty sure when Paul said yes to the Holy Spirit's leadership and going off to this next community, he had no plans of being jailed. But your next yes is your next, next, next pathway forward with God. So the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is a, an assurance. If he's bringing up the subject, you're ready to make the change. Number two. The Spirit's goal is to lead you into all truth. He wants you to get the whole story. God doesn't give it to you all at the beginning, right? He, he, he softly pulls it out, shows it to you. Here's the next piece. Here's the next piece. Here's the next piece. You're growing into this. It's a slow process. It's a gradual process. And He's calling you to the next step and the next step and the next step. He's intent on change. He's intent on things being different. He's intent on changing your flavor. He's intent on changing your direction, your influence, and your impact. He's intent on changing who you are for your benefit. Okay? So with that in mind, I'd like to, to take our next step. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3, picking it up at verses 14 and 15. Now, if, you are, if you're reading Ephesians chapter 3 this afternoon, recognize that verse 1 and verse 14... Our neighbors. There's a big interruption between them. But verse 1 is the start. Verse 14 is the pickup. And you know how Paul goes on excursions? All the way through the 13 verses between the first phrase in verse 1 and this phrase in verse 14 is an excursion. He says, I want to talk to you about... And he goes off on this excursion. And he comes back. He's like most preachers. We have excursions that are not in our notes. Some of those work, some of them don't. You know the difference. He finally gets back to this in verse 14. He's where he's, he's coming back to his thought. And he says, when I think of all this, read the previous 13 verses, you'll pick up the all this. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. He says, when I think about this, when I realize this, I fall to my knees. Now, there, there are lots of ways that you fall, right? The Bible, I've told you lots of times about biblical prayer. Falling to your knees is not similar to what the way we do it. We're a westernized version of this. We're kind of a sanitized version. We get down on our knees and we have this kind of posture of prayer that has become our cultural tradition, right? The cultural traditions of Judaism are two. The most common way to pray is actually to cover your head with your shawl, hold your hands out like this and pray standing up. That is the most common and, and normally used process for praying. That's why Jesus will say about the Pharisees, you love nothing more than to say public prayers. And, you know, they get out and they, they involve themselves so everybody can hear them pray. He said, you've received your reward. A common way to pray was for them to, to cover, hold out their hands, and pray, looking up into heaven. Paul says, I fall on my knees. That's, a, that's a, an anglicized statement. He falls on his face. So you have probably seen Muslim prayer. It's, a, it's now, you, you may not have seen it 50 years ago, but now we see it on TV because there's a, a much, much more mixed uh, congregation in America. And so we get pictures of things and we get involved with things we hadn't seen before. The prayer posture that Paul is talking about is not just on his knees like this. It's on his face like this. 
And it's on your face with your head on the ground normally. So what Paul is taking is the, 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 the most strong statement about pray, praying. When I think about these, when I think about you, when I think about the, the, your, your family, your group, the Ephesians, when I understand who you are, when I contemplate, it makes me fall down on my face to pray for you. And not only do I fall on my face, when I pray, I am praying to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Remember, he's always teaching, always teaching. So when he talks about who he's praying to, he's still teaching. I'm not just praying to some ordinary God. I'm not just praying to a little God. I'm not just praying to an ineffective God. I am praying to the blooming creator of everything. Everything. I am create, I am praying to a God who can create out of nothing. I am praying to a God who knows everything, handles everything, has his hands on everything. I am praying to that God. So the, the Ephesians are like, okay, we get it, Paul. You're praying to God. The real one. Okay? That's his point. He's trying to make that clear to us. So as he goes on, I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with the inner, with inner strength through the Spirit, through the Holy Spirit. Same, same word. So I pray that from his glorious, again, he's teaching from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you. This God who I'm praying to created everything. Not only is he the creator of everything, he has amazing power, awesome cosmic power, and he's going to help you out. I'm praying for that in your life. I am praying that you will become in contact with the most amazing source of power that is in the universe, the actual creator of all power in the universe, the actual creator of all things in the universe. That's who I'm praying for, praying to, and that's what I'm praying about. I want you to catch that he's saying, I want all of this authority and power to get into your life via the channel of the Holy Spirit. Are you seeing that? Sometimes we think, oh, this is too mystical for me. This is too weird for me. I don't know. This whole Holy Spirit thing. Is the Holy Spirit a being? Is it like air? Is it, is it like water? What's the Holy Spirit really? I don't know. It's too ethereal for me. And we just give up. We curl up in the corner of our bed and say, I don't know. I don't care. What he is saying is that the indwelling presence of God, just, just, if you can just keep that piece. If he's, he's saying the indwelling presence of God, not outside, inside. Remember, the day when you accept God's leadership and you ask for him to become the Lord of your life, the manner in which he communicates with you is the inner voice of the presence of the Spirit. Prior to that, there's voices on the outside. Prior to that, everybody has the general influence of God in the world. I had someone tell me just this morning, I don't believe that, I don't believe that there are people who don't believe in God. Really? He said, yeah. He said, it's, it goes back to the military statement, right? There are no, there are no atheists in foxholes. Why? Because when the chips are down, everybody prays. They may not know much about it, but they're going to pray. And we actually, we actually know this from surveying. I, I love the fact that people answer honestly on some surveys. I'm not sure that we all answer honestly on every survey. But this is a pretty interesting one. One of the recent surveys of atheists found that 80% of them will admit to praying. Isn't that wild? Maybe the person who's talking to me this morning is right. Maybe maybe the, the depth of what the Scripture says, the, that eternity is planted in our hearts, is so real, so tangible. When the chips are down, everybody prays. The influence 
of the Holy Spirit is outside. There's, there's this voice, this call of God, the angels of God and the demons in the world are constantly after trying to, to persuade you one way or the other. When you accept God as the leader of your life, that becomes an internal voice. Holy Spirit becomes internalized. Internalized. So Paul is saying, I want to see the full authority and power of God in you. I want to see dynamite down inside of you, buddy, and I'm lighting the wick. We're just waiting for an explosion. That's what he's describing. In fact, the word, the word is dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. I want the power of God down inside of you just waiting for an opportunity to blow up. How crazy would that be? You everywhere. Don't think of it gross. Think of it in cool ways. Influence and authority and stuff like that. Not little bits and pieces. That's disturbing. Who thought that? Besides me. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts. Get the as you trust him. Remember when we're talking in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, Paul says you are saved by grace through faith, and not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. That statement is simply about trusting. Trust was lost in the garden. When trust is reestablished, this relationship becomes the internal presence of Jesus. I don't know why you're not as excited about this time. This is so awesome to me. This relationship that you're engaged with becomes the internal presence of Jesus in you. What is reality here? Look around you. All these folks who have accepted Christ as the Lord of their life, there's an internal presence of Jesus. I know you're looking at it thinking, no way, I'm so confused. I'm so, I'm struggling with stuff. I'm actually angry at God about some stuff. Hey, I read numbers this morning and I was bugged. I'm not happy with that. And you may have all of that going on, but it doesn't mean he's not there. He knows you. He knows the mess you are. When the first day you invited him to into your life, he said, yeah, I know this is going to be a rocky ride for both of us, but I'm in. He knows the worst day and he knows the best day from the first day. Right? He knows everything that know about us when he gets into the relationship. So you're not shocking him today. Your fears, your angers, your doubts, they're not shocking him today. It's okay with God. He just wants to talk to you about it. He just wants to engage you with it. The indwelling presence of Jesus Christ is the promise of the believer who accepts his lordship. The promise to the believer who accepts the lordship of God, that he will be the leader of your life. You will relinquish the reins and let him lead, you stop trying to be your own boss and you let God run the thing, the indwelling presence of Jesus as you learn to trust him, that's the goal. The Holy Spirit brings to you the indwelling presence of Jesus. Some of you have experienced this. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And some of you are like, I don't know, this is weird to me. I gave my heart to Jesus and I've been in conflict with him ever since. Okay. Don't worry about it. Just know that tomorrow morning he's waking up with the same conflict. He's coming back tomorrow for the same discussion. And he doesn't get tired of it. He doesn't get tired of it. Your kid had, you ever had a kid who had to take medication? Nobody likes taking medication, least of all children. 
But as a parent, sometimes you know you have to give them that medication. And they make kids' medication. They try to pretend that it's going to taste good, right? They take really crummy-tasting medication, and they put it in a little, like, red syrup. And they think they're going to sneak that by the kids' taste buds. Ain't happening. Kids are alive with taste buds about sweetness. This spoonful of sugar better be a tablespoon. Because when you slip in the medicine, the kid's like, Wah. Now, if they're a little bit older, you can reason with them, right? They're like, look, bud, I know this doesn't taste good, but you have to take it. And they're like, oh, mom, can I have some water immediately? Can you just have the, you know, a milkshake ready for right after this? But when they're little babies, all they, they just kind of move their head. They're just like, and you're trying to chase the mouth with the spoon. Finally, you're holding the head and sticking in the medicine. Why do you do that to your poor kid? Because you know better than they what's good for them. That's why the Holy Spirit keeps coming back to us with the same conversations. Because He knows better than we do what's good for us. He is about making a change. He's about tomorrow being different than today. He's about things being better on the other end of your spiritual walk than they were when you started. So Paul is saying, man, I want to see all that stuff coming into you as you trust Jesus, but I want you to catch the next line. Your roots. What are your roots? What are the roots of a tree? They're the parts that hold it up, right? Those are the things that make it stable in the wind. Your roots make you stable in the wind, right? Your roots supply you with the nutrients you need to grow. So not only are they creating stability, they're providing the nutrients that that creates growth that allows you to continue to manage that process that's going on. Your roots will grow down into what? God's love. The roots will go down into an understanding of God's love and keep you strong when you're facing things and you're struggling and you're battling and you're losing. Especially when I'm losing. I am glad for the love of God. Because I'm I'm losing and I'm saying, God, I am... I'm not making it today. I'm not making it this week. It's been a month since I was feeling like I was making it. I'm so glad that the Bible tells me you love me and you know me and you've always known me and you knew about this struggle. I'm so glad that when I woke up this morning still struggling, you were not surprised. You were not appalled. You were not dismayed. You were not without answers. The opposite was true. All authority of power in heaven and earth is yours. And you're bringing that to the discussion today as we move through what's hard for me. That's this relationship. That's what it means to belong to Jesus. That's the process that we're talking about. Paul is praying for the Ephesian church that they will have that experience. But don't miss this part. It's easy to think that my roots grow down into knowledge. Right? Isn't that what most of us do? We think what I need to be stronger is more information. I just need to find another better preacher to listen to so that I have better information. Right? I need to find somebody who can teach me something because I'm struggling. I need to be stronger. And if I'm going to be stronger, I need better information. My problem is not the love of God. My problem is the knowledge of God. The Bible says it's not true. The Bible says your problem is you need roots that go down into the love of God. Then when the wind blows, you'll be strong. Then when you need extra nutrients, they'll be there. Because you have roots that go down into the love of God. 
having that had, having that happen, then you may have the power to understand as all God's people should. You're going to have the power to understand as all God's people should understand how wide, how long, how high, how deep is His love. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep is His love? Low enough to touch the earth where we all live. Deep enough to get into the mess we find ourselves in. High enough to make a connection between that and our Heavenly Father. Wide enough to embrace the entire planet how wide how long how high and how deep is the love of God Holy Spirit comes in the Holy Spirit starts talking to you he starts teaching you starts leading you into all truth. And as he moves you along the process, he starts to reveal to you the love of God. And you begin to sink your roots into what that is and what that means. You have doubts about it. You're not sure about it. You've read some of the things in the Bible and go, that doesn't sound so loving to me. I don't know. I'll keep reading. I'll keep looking. God, I'm going to need you to explain Numbers 31 to me. You've got stuff you're dealing with and you're working on on this with God. And as the process continues on, the point is staying in the process. The point is staying connected in this journey with God as He walks you through the things you need to discover. And as He confronts you with the things you don't want to be confronted with. We are called to a walk with God, a relationship with God, whose roots are deeply rooted in His love, the reality of His love, the reality that His character is love, the reality that His actions are love, the reality that our relationship is based on that love. And to understand it in all of its dimensions. And then he wishes. He's made some statements then and then then. And now he wishes. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it's really too great to understand fully. Because knowing that you are loved is the key to your next step. When you are engaged with someone who's trying to get you to do something, when you're engaged in that process where someone is trying to stretch you, does it matter that they care about you and have your best interest at heart? That's the point. When your kid's a little older, when that five-year-old instead of that two-year-old is getting the medicine, right? And they've got the fever and they're throwing up and they're struggling and they don't feel good. And you sit down with them and you got to give them the medicine and you know it tastes bad and they know it tastes bad. And you sit down and you're holding out and they're only five. They don't understand this completely, but, but they can understand a little bit. And when you say, look, buddy, I know you don't feel well. I know your stomach is a little uncomfortable and sick. And I know you have a fever and you're really hot and you probably have headaches and your body probably hurts. I'm giving you this because I love you and because it will help. 
That's what he's doing. He said, I'm giving this because it'll help. And that five-year-old, with a little bit of an understanding that a five-year-old has, because they trust you, takes some medicine. Now, they may be asking, can I have a drink of water afterwards? Can I have some lemonade? Can I have something afterwards to wash that terrible taste out of my mouth? But I know you're giving it to me because you love me and because you're trying to help me. You get it? He's trying to make tomorrow different than today. He's trying to give you a fresh new pink top. He's trying to make your life different, flavored different, impact differently. He wants to make things better tomorrow than they are today. The key to that next step is understanding how much you're loved. The Bible says to recognize the authority and power of God is the beginning of wisdom. Note the word beginning. Please never forget that that's just a starting point. It's not the ending point. It's the beginning of wisdom to understand that power is serious, that power is major, that power is huge. We had to turn the, air con- or the heating units on in our new building because inside the taping on the walls so that they could you know, make the walls look seamless to you, all the taping wasn't drying. It was taking two, three days for some of that tape to dry out. It's just so cold inside the building. You, you knew they had to turn it on eventually, but they had to turn it on, was it uh, Wednesday, Tuesday? Monday. Do you remember that it was raining Monday? The power on the, on the roof that goes to those things is 220. So we happened to be, I happened to be, in, the, in the, 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 the construction trailer when the conversation is going. I'm having a conversation in this half, and in the other half of the, conver- in the, in the construction trailer, I hear the superintendent talking to the head le- electrician. And the electrician's going, no, I don't want to do it. It's raining outside. I'm not going up on the roof, standing in the water and flipping that switch. And the guy, I hear the superintendent Direct quote, you're killing me, Smalls. You got to do it. We have to have this on because you're going to stop all this stuff from going on. If you know the reference to you're killing me, Smalls, raise your hand. Okay, good. Somebody explain to the other people what's going on. Literally, that was a, that was a quote. They called his boss. About a half hour later, I see his boss coming. <laughs> he went up on the roof in the rain and flipped the switch. I'm thinking, you know, we had a stick. when you are dealing with power, it is not smart to be unaware of the dangers of power. To know the awesome authority and power of God is the beginning of wisdom. To recognize it enough to be at least smart enough to be afraid is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning. It's layer one of a million layers. But it's the beginning. People who don't respect the authority of God do not have a relationship with God. The relationship starts with understanding who you're dealing with. Paul said, when I fall on my knee with my face on the ground and I begin to pray for you, I don't pray to some stick or some rock. I pray to the all-powerful creator of all things in heaven and earth who will bring his power into your life to do dynamic, momentous, experience 
explosive things. And this is what I want those things to be. I want him to give you the Holy Spirit. And the church went, woo-hoo. The Paul's going, no, you don't understand. When you get the Holy Spirit, your roots will go down into the depths of the love of God. And you'll begin to understand it in all of its breadth, in all of its height. You'll see that it can touch the lowest point from the guttermost to the uttermost. It will stretch wide and encompass the entire world. There is no one to whom the love of God cannot have access. He says, this is so amazing, you guys. When I pray like this with my head on the ground and the dust blowing out with each puff, puff of my breath, I'm holding you right up. And I'm saying, fill him up, God. Fill him up. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. They don't know what's coming. Just keep pouring it on. That is his deepest hope for the Ephesian church. Because he understands that the key to their next step is recognizing that the authority and power of God is available to light up their world. To light up their life. To make the changes that need to be made. To make the transformations that need to be made. That it's available to them. Lord, please fill us all up so that we understand what the possibilities are. So that we begin to understand through the power of the indwelling Christ how much you love us. Help us to see the cross and recognize it for exactly what it is. A demonstration of the fact of your love. No one needs to guess. It's a demonstration of the fact of your love. That you would sacrifice yourself for my sin. That you would be willing to take away all that I have done. Place it on yourself. Haul it off. It's phenomenal. How could it be? We're just talking about the Holy Spirit. Just the Holy Spirit. But if you want to see the massive differences that are possible, surrender to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. Surrender to God's leadership. When that happens, and you're saying yes, day by day, the power of God becomes available to you. Your no is blocking it. Your no is blocking the transformation that's ahead. And your yes is the opening of the gate onto the next path to the future. He says, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Then you're going to be made complete. Then you're going to be what God wants you to be. You're going to affect the world in the ways God wants you to affect the world. 
He's going to calm down those of us who are a little too excitable. He's going to juice up those of us that are a little bit too, too quiet. He's going to get us into that zone where we're at our best. We're at our best. And then the world changes. The Apostle Paul is sitting in the Ephesians church out into a divided world, a broken world, a world that's so messy. Ours looks like a picnic. Roman authority is so unbounded that they literally can kill you on the street if they want. No one cares. The culture has completely fled from any kind of value system that keeps them from indulging themselves. The number of people who are enslaved is almost double that of the number of people who own slaves. And those people are treated like dogs. Maybe not as well. And the Apostle Paul says, what I'd like to do is see the the power of the Holy Spirit get down inside you folks. Because when it does, it'll change your world. And it'll rock our world. And it's still the same today. The answer to our world's problems, as I've said and I've said and i said, is not politics. It's not politicians. It's not the newest and greatest scientific discovery. The answer to our world's problems is sitting in the seat you're in. Because the answer to our world's problems is deeper than politics and more significant than science. The answer to our world's problems is Jesus. The deeper he gets a hold of the church, the stronger grip he gets on the the hold of the church, which is us, the more opportunity for this mess to find its answer. Let's pray. In fact, would you kneel, kneel with me to pray today? Uh, you don't have to put your head on the floor. I know there's no room between those chairs. <laughs> Father God, what can I ask for our church that Paul didn't ask for? I pray by the power and authority of the Creator for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't even know what that is completely. Just asking for it's a little scary to us all. I pray for the Holy Spirit to fill our lives, our hearts, our thinking, our very being. And I pray that the authority of God and the presence of Jesus becomes known to us tangibly. I pray for lots more 
yeses to the guidance of the Spirit. I pray for a surrendered heart for us, for all of us. That we won't be combative to your leadership, but we'll be surrendered to follow you. I pray for the eyes of Jesus to be our eyes so that the person sitting next to us, the person driving next to us, the person at our job, the person at the grocery store, the person standing with a sign on the corner is seen by us as you see them. I pray for roots that go so deep into the love of God that we never have a question again about being loved. I pray for roots that touch the very soil of Christ. They go deep, deep into his sacrifice, into his life, into the the discovery of what it means to be a Christian, to be called one who follows Christ. I pray that it will change the way we do work, the way we do business, the way we do marriage and parenting, the way we do neighborhoods and cities, the way we feel about the events around us, the way we feel about the division of our own heart. I pray for such a deep infilling of your spirit that we truly, truly hear you lead. Call us to your word and reveal yourself there. Call us to our knees in prayer and speak to us. Lord, replace our hand in your hand and engage the power of your leadership and we choose to trust you for the step we don't want to take and we pray for more faith more wisdom more understanding and more of the spirit in Jesus name Church, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. Is that something to celebrate? I think so. And how do we get that? By saying yes to Jesus each day. Mike is playing a a song that I think is so fitting and and the lyrics are beautiful. We've sung it here many times, but it's Holy Spirit, rain down, rain down. Oh, comforter and friend, how we need your touch again. Holy Spirit, rain down.
rain down. This should be our prayer every day. Let your power fall. Let your voice be heard. Come and change our hearts as we stand on your word. Holy Spirit, rain down. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can know what God has in store. So open up heaven, open it wide, over your church and over our lives. Holy Spirit, rain down. Father God, we pray right now for the Holy Spirit to rain down upon us, over your church. Every time we mention your name, we probably should be falling on our faces, on our knees before you in your awesome power. You're such a good God and our friend, showing us so much grace and love and mercy that you allow us to stand before you humbly and say, Father, we love you. But, Father, above all things, help us to want to be filled with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we may be changed, we may be new, and we may carry forward the mission you've given us. Help us to say yes to you right now, Lord. Deep in our hearts, just that yes that will allow you to keep working within us each day. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.